Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening, friends. Welcome to the second episode of Sinister Tales. The story of the night comes from Terror at 5280 by the Denver Collective. Terror at 5280 is a horror anthology set in and around Denver and is written exclusively by locals. If you are curious to check it out, I have left a link for you in the description. Tonight's story is called This Was Always Going to Happen and is written by Stephen Graham Jones. And now, take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy this sinister tale. There's no traffic out this far, so the only real danger when the tire on your trusty Accord blows is that you might panic, wrench the wheel over, plummet a few hundred feet down. You don't. Instead you slow, ease over to the shoulder, then scooch a little closer to the guardrail, as close as you can get, since there's a blind turn up ahead that porches with ski racks can come whipping around. If they have to overcorrect from that hairpin situation, It might point them right where you're sitting. No thank you, mountain gods. Really. You consider it lucky that that rear tire went when it did. Ten, twenty seconds later, and you'd be changing it in the cool shade of those giant red rocks, and every car coming down the mountain would only be seeing you at the last possible instant. But then, luck? Real luck would have been the tire not blowing at all. Anyway, you call Marcy because that's the safe thing to do. But of course, cell service being spotty all up and down this road, you can't get through. The faster you swap the flat for the donut in the trunk, the faster you can tell her about all this in person, you figure. It's not like you haven't changed the tire before. So, five minutes later the back of the Accord's hiked up on the scissor jack, You're just cranking on the first lug when a slow crunch turns you around. It's a cyclist in full bib tights, bright white with orange and yellow stripes and accents, one of those helmets made to reduce wind drag, his legs hairless because smooth skin slips through the air that much faster. He's doing that balancing on the pedals thing they all do, like the ground's lava, 
and if they just make it two more seconds, they'll be safe. His mirrored sunglasses are nearly ski goggles. What is it? he asks, more chipper than anybody should be after the climb he just has to have made. Flat, you tell him, kind of obviously. He pauses, like rolling through response options, then says, You got it then? Old hand at this, you say, the lug wrench loose by your thigh. Well, if you need anything, he says, and nods by, or good luck, or... It's hard to tell, actually. He pedals off, continuing his classic ride or Sunday afternoon burn or whatever it is he's crazy enough to be out here doing. More power to him. You're rolling the spare around from the trunk when a flash up at the jumble of red rock catches your attention. It's the cyclist coming back, whipping in and out of the yellow stripes on the faded asphalt. He pulls to a soundless stop, feet down in the lava this time, and works what he's found down off his shoulder along his arm. A cast of air filter. It's accordion paper packed with seed heads and dirt. Thought this might help, he says, and sets it by the flat tire. You consider it, coming up to the cyclist again. Consider him all over again. Is this what counts for humor at 8,000 feet? Okay, you say. He throws a jaunty salute your way, flashes a perfectly symmetrical grin, his leathery cheeks crinkling up from it, and pedals easily away. This time you watch him until he disappears around the red rocks. You don't get it, not even one little bit. In an effort to, you inspect the air filter, but it doesn't hold any answers was completely content with its life in the ditch before being hand-delivered back to you. Marcy is going to love hearing about this one. You're on your stomach. Your arm shoved as far under the accord as it can go after a gotten-away lug nut, when you realize you're not alone. Again. You roll to the side, see two high-dollar road bike wheels, tires that are weighed in grams. Found this, the cyclist says. Grinning wide and eager. It's a two-gallon gas can. Its plastic body faded from a season in the sun. I have a flat. You can't help but reiterate. Watching his mirrored lenses for a sign of... Of anything, please. Any sort of clue. Just thought you might need it, the cyclist says. And sets it down on the shoulder of the road like the most delicate vase. The most sacred artifact. Thank you you say. He nods sagely, almost reverently, and hauls his bike around, pedals uphill. You study the road behind you this time. There's no one to witness this, whatever it is. You're alone out here, with this crazy person. You edge over to the gas can, tow it over onto its side. It's empty, light, probably brittle. After checking the road both ways, you step out into it, take a running start, and kick the gas can with everything you've got. It sails over the guardrails, hangs like a cartoon for a moment, then drops. You've got to get off this mountain. You spin the three lug nuts you do have onto the studs and walk around to the other side of the accord, the long fall past the guardrail taking your breath away a bit. Don't look, you tell yourself, while completely looking. Your prayer was that the lost lug nut had rolled this far. That it would be there, waiting for you. Nope. With your luck, it's probably dead center under the car. Right under the muffler, 
which wants nothing else in this world but to sizzle into the skin of your forearm. You could tighten down the three lug nuts you didn't fumble away and roll the accord back, expose their missing brother. But what if one of the studs carrying its weight plus a third snaps off, and then you're stuck up here? No, better a burn on your forearm than having to walk down for enough bars to call for help. When you come around the car to get that lug nut, damn the consequences. The cyclist is playing his balancing game again, turning the front wheel of his bike this way and that way, pedaling forward degree by degree. He looks up like he's surprised to see you. Oh hey, he says. Found this, thought it's a bezel. Thin, aluminium, all twisted up and dull. In a former life it probably framed a taillight. In its current life, it's just trash. Um, you say. Yeah, got to look out for each other up here, right? He says, or recites. Thank you, you say. Sort of chilled, even though it's hot. He shrugs like it's nothing. Like pleased with himself. That's it. It's like he's a dog, isn't it? And dogs don't understand flats or cars. They just know to bring you stuff. It means they get petted. He nods, accepting your verbal pat, checks the road both ways, and hauls his bike around, stands on the pedals to make this climb a third time. Marcy is going to flip for this, and you really need that fourth lug. You lie down reinvigorated, can see the dull glint of the lug nut now, can just touch it with the leading top of your middle finger, and then your eyes press tight now so your fingers can feel better. A thing happens. The cool lug nut is placed on the back of your straining hand and then held there until your forearm figures out how to rotate it in that tight space. Let your palm accept this gift. Accept. You reel your arm in. Open your eyes. Have to look. It's the cyclist. Shimmied under the car from the passenger side. The muffler smoking against his cheek but not messing with his grin one iota. His mirrored lens is absolutely unreadable. You jerk back, dropping the lug nut, and roll fast away. Stand. What are you even, you bellow, having to back up to try to keep a line on him under the car, which is when a horn blows and tires scream. And you realize you're standing in the middle of the road. At least for about a hundredth of a second longer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sinister Tales. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want one of your stories or creepy images featured on a future episode, send an email to mysinistertale at gmail.com.